The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus went around to all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and curing every disease and illness. At the sight of the crowds, his heart was moved with pity for them because they were troubled and abandoned like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Then he summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure every disease and every illness. Jesus sent out these 12 after instructing them thus, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, make this proclamation, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, drive out demons. Without cost you have received, without cost you are to give. The Gospel of the Lord. As we've been noting all week, the expression, on that day, seems to be the prophet Isaiah's favorite set of words. And as we move through this early part of Advent, that phrase is sounded like a drumbeat. We hear it every single day. We hear about that day and what will happen on that day. And on the one hand, it involves a looking forward to something that is yet to come, but whose coming is absolutely certain. And yet on the other hand, it involves how we live on this day, because that day is already asserting itself. That day is already touching our lives. And we see that in our interplay between the readings on the weekdays of Advent. The prophet speaks of that day and the great and glorious things that will happen on that day. And then we see the day of Jesus Christ and those great things that have been promised begin to happen. And so we find ourselves here in the day of Jesus Christ, whose full and glorious splendor is not completely manifest yet, but it isn't absent either. Note how wonderful that is. We hear at the beginning of Mass in our entrance antiphon that marvelous expression, let us see your face, O Lord. Lord, show us your face, and we will be saved. What a marvelous way to contemplate the creche with its empty manger, 
awaiting, on the one hand, for that day. That day we mark on the calendar as December 25th. And on that day, there is joy in our households. On that day, there is a joy and a vigor about our celebrating. Because that is the day where the world, for the very first time, sees the face, the saving face of the Lord. But we don't gather as those who have never seen his face. We do not gather as those who wait for him to be born, because that day has already come. And that day has already affected the world. And so while we wait for the full face of his glory, we are those who have already been strengthened by the Lord showing his face on that day 2,000 years ago. And so we see in our readings today this beautiful coupling the healing of the people that will take place on that day. And that marvelous expression that on that day, they will see the face of their teacher. And what do we see in our gospel? But the face of that teacher. And it is the face of the great compassion in the heart of Christ who looks at the great many wounded and lost of the world, and his heart literally aches, literally is moved with pity for all of them. We don't contemplate that expression enough. This heart of the Lord, filled to overflowing with pity, and mercy and affection for this wounded world and its wounded people to whom he has come. And yet, when we pause and contemplate that, and we see that this overflowing abundance that Isaiah speaks of has a home, and the home of that overflowing abundance is the heart of Jesus Christ. The abundance of mercy, the abundance of compassion, the abundance of blessing, the abundance of healing, the abundance of life. This is what the Lord holds in his heart for this world and for you. And note how wonderful that is, because we don't hear in the scriptures, when he saw how perfect they were, he was thrilled and he loved them. Rather, when he saw how wounded they are. When his eyes looked upon their lack of vigor. When his eyes looked upon their being lost in all forms of darkness. 
His heart was not moved by frustration. His heart was not brimming over with anger. But he looked on them with pity, with affection, and with love. The abundance of that day dwells in the heart of Jesus. And the abundance of that day comes to us from the heart of Jesus. This is what we wait for. And note how beautiful that is. Because we have the confidence of knowing that Christ, in fact, has come. And he has not left us. That this same Lord whose heart is moved with pity for his people, that this same Lord whose heart bears that great abundance of divine blessing is still caring for his people. That that look of compassion and pity was not the look of a passing day. And then the Lord turned his eyes away because he was distracted by something else or someone else. But he still looks out on that world with that same heart brimming over with such unspeakable goodness, such unspeakably great abundance for us. And we know because we know him that that day of its fullness is sure to arrive. We know not the moment, we know not the hour, but we know that it will come. And what that means then is this day that we live right now has meaning and value to it. Let's linger with that for a moment. Because it is all too easy to live a life where the moments of our lives have no value. Or where we seek to find value in our living in these passing, fleeting things around us that do not last, that do not endure, that cannot sustain us. And if we're honest with and about ourselves, we have those moments, those many moments, where we become so frustrated by what is broken and wrong around us that we throw up our hands and say, why bother? Why do I try so? What difference does it make? And it's an understandable reaction, but that's the voice of a world that has no confidence in that day. But when we know that that day is coming, what I do on this day matters. The world may not see the value, but there is value. The world around me with its passing things might not see the value in striving for goodness. But that's because the world doesn't wait for that day. It loses itself in this moment 
And because it does that, it actually loses today. It loses this day. It loses its value. It loses its meaning in the way that any one of us on any given day can find ourselves falling into that trap. This is why over Advent we hear the prophet Isaiah club us over the head repeatedly about that day. Because when we look forward to that day, we know how to live this day. This day that the Lord has made. This day that the Lord has given us. And so it is that the Lord whose heart brims over with pity, with compassion, with goodness, in that abundance of mercy does something remarkable. He sends his disciples out into that world. And note that the movement of the church out into the world that we see in this gospel reading is the movement of the Lord extending the touch of that day to a fallen, broken world, wounded in ways it doesn't even realize that the healing promised on that day might come into the lives of many, even today. These words of the Lord are beautiful. The harvest is abundant. The laborers are few. But what an odd harvest this is. It is not simply a harvest of collecting the holy. It is not simply a harvest of gathering the believers. It is a harvest of the wounded, a harvest of the fallen, a harvest of the lost. Know what the Lord says? Go to the lost sheep. He doesn't say, go out and gather all of those who already understand it. He doesn't say, go and gather the living saints. He says, go to the lost sheep. Seek them and find them. And for 2,000 years, for 2,000 years, the church has done this. Seeking the lost, the wounded. This is why Pope Francis has been so strong in emphasizing before it is anything else, the church is a hospital for sinners. A place for the wounded to be made whole. A place where the Lord will show the face of his goodness to a world that doesn't know what real goodness is. And what a beautiful statement about what it is that we do when we gather who we are as we gather, because we gather here as those wounded. We gather here as those lame and blind and deaf. We gather here to be touched by that abundance of compassion and forgiveness and mercy that the Lord has stirred, stored up for us. But then we leave this place at the end of, 
Normally at the end of Mass, it won't happen today, the holy deacon would say, go. And that doesn't mean, get out of here, we're done with you. It means now go into the world where the lost sheep are with the compassion and the mercy that you've received here because it needs to go out there. And that movement from the heart of Christ includes us. We're part of the overflow. That compassion which overflows from the heart of Christ expresses itself visibly in the overflow from our buildings after Mass. As we who have received go forth to give. How absolutely marvelous. And so even though that day of full, unambiguous glory and perfection has not completely dawned on us yet, the touch of that day is here. When you come forward, note how beautiful this is. In a few minutes, you'll hear those words, Behold the Lamb of God. Lord, let us see your face, and we will be saved. Behold. On that day they shall see the face of their teacher. Behold the Lamb of God. Such glory and such greatness disguised in so humble a form and yet truly here. Not visible to the eye of the body, but the Son of Justice, breaking upon us here on this day. And we come forward and we stretch out our hands to the grace of that day, because in the compassion of his heart, the Lord will feed his flock with his very self. How beautiful. And we are sent out then afterwards, not as those who have nothing to give, not into a world where the days have no meaning, but trusted with great value in our hearts and in our hands on this day. That is why we bother. How wonderful it is. Note how day comes upon the world. It's not that sudden, that it's dark, and then the Almighty hits a light switch and suddenly it's bright. Darkness gives way first to a blush of light that begins to appear. It's not the full light of day. But when that blush of light appears, we know the fullness of day is coming soon and that its arrival is certain. This is how we live. That blush of light has already arrived. Christ has come in humility. Christ has won his victory. And we live not in the darkness of a night 
that has no touch of sunlight in it. We live rather in the darkness of night that is passing and that must pass. Because the sun will surely rise in splendor and in glory. How good it is to realize that. How good it is that today, on this first Saturday, we will have the continuation of our first Saturday custom. Mass will not end, as I just alluded to, in the conventional way today. Rather, after Holy Communion, we will enthrone the Blessed Sacrament in the monstrance on the altar. And there is a reason why the monstrance, the great vessel that holds the Blessed Sacrament for public viewing, is shaped like a sun. It reminds us of him who is the light of the world, him who is the light that no darkness can overcome. And we who long for his face to shine on us can linger here silently in his presence. And while the eye of the body will not see the full glory of that face, that glorious face will shed its light on every single one of us. Because on this day, that same Lord Jesus looks out with that same compassion, welling up in great abundance in his heart, not for someone else, someplace else, on some other day, but for you in this place, on this day. What a great gift. Amen.